0: So I I love the Jewishness of the New Testament. And as a Jew, somebody who grew up Jewish and still am Jewish, I appreciate the linkages that the New Testament has to not only the Torah, but also to the religion of Judaism. Now the Pharisees get a real bad rap in the New Testament because the Pharisees and the Sadducees were primarily against the fledgling Jewish sect of the Nazarenes, the way, the Christians, whatever you want to call them, and there was a lot of inter, I would just say a lot of family dispute, as I would say. And we take a look, unfortunately, Christianity has taken a look at the, the, the tough words that Yeshua and the Gospel writers and the Apostles had for other Jewish sects, and it, it turned it into a bit of an anti-Semitic thing, as, as if it was Jew hatred. But when you see, you know, the disciples or Yeshua calling the Pharisees or the Sadducees sons of devils—that's how they spoke to each other around that time. The other Jewish sects that were kind of duking it out and trying to find their place and arguing about things of, of Torah and ways to uh, execute and to and to live out Torah. This is just how they how they dealt with each other. But they never stopped being Jewish. They never stopped. It was always a part of the Jewish culture, it was always a part of the Jewish religion. We see later on that there was a split of two separate world religions, a religion of Judaism and a religion of Christianity, two religious systems, but I tell you right now it wasn't that way. As as harsh as the words were towards certain Jewish sects, the early Christians, it was integrated, a part of Judaism. It was never a separate religion. So one thing that I really appreciate, as, a, as, as bad a rap as the Pharisees have gotten, there's one example in the scripture when a very famous Pharisee gets a little bit of a nod for his wisdom. And it's not just, and that happens sometimes, it happens with Nicodemus. Uh, but there's another time that happens in Acts 5, and I really appreciate it, because the rabbi whose, name, uh, whose birth name was Gamla, but he became known as Gamliel, Gamaliel. Paul, later on in the latter chapters of Acts, said he actually studied at the feet of Gamaliel. It's where he learned, at the feet of Gamaliel. And as Christians, when we read this, we're like, okay, Gamaliel, he's just another Jewish character, like maybe a Nicodemus or somebody like that. But Gamaliel is a big dude in Judaism, even today. And I love that. I love seeing the linkage between the New Testament and Judaism. Gamliel is, is written about in the Talmud. He's considered a very, very top rabbi. Some of the um, some of the cultural ways or the expressions of keeping the word of God that Orthodox Jews today keep emanated from Gamliel. He was one of the originators of, of, of standardizing the calendar, the God's calendar, and, and saying, you know, maybe we need a leap month because and this is getting this is way too much detail, but you know, like, so every, every couple years, is a, there's an a extra month in the Jewish calendar to make sure that Passover happens in the springtime. Because it says in Exodus that it happens in the springtime. So to make sure it happens in the springtime is an extra month of, of winter. Long story short, Gabriel's a big dude. That's what I want to come across. Gamaliel is a big dude. And in Acts 5, he gets a nod. And I want to start this sermon with what Gamaliel says and that rich bit of wisdom that he imparted to us and where the the writer, who was Luke of the book of Acts, actually gave him a nod and said, this is a wise thing. So here's the background of the story. Uh, The the believers in Yeshua were just wreaking havoc all across the land. They were changing the world, saving souls one at a time, and not even just one at a time, sometimes 3,000 at a time. You know, it was a major time of revival. And this is something that's encouraging to us because during that amazing time of revival, the government of Rome was not a real righteous government. It was an absolute dictatorship when they were just murdering people on a whim. It was an evil, evil, evil regime that that governed Rome. The emperors were absolute psychopathic, and psychopaths and wicked, yet... In that environment, boy, did the gospel thrive. Boy, did revival happen during that time. And maybe that's a lesson for us in this time. If if the government is wicked, the word of God cannot stop from going forth. And may there always be a time of great revival. As the times grow wicked, may the word of God increase. And may revival increase. So, the... Believers in Yeshua, you know, they're just going about changing the world. That's all. And um, so the the Sadducees got together. It said that the high priests got the priestly family got together, and it puts a little parenthesis in there, meaning the Sadducees, and that's also historically accurate. The Sadducees were part of the priestly family. Um, So they threw the believers into jail. An angel came down, broke them out of jail. Happens all the time. <laughs> and they went back out teaching about Yeshua. So now the Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin was sort of like the governing body over Israel, almost like the Congress or the Senate to determine like who's guilty and who's innocent. So this is the big body of rabbis and it included Sadducees and it included Pharisees and it included Gamaliel, which is also historically accurate. That Gamaliel was a, a big dude in the Sanhedrin. So all the disciples are brought to the Sanhedrin, not the, the followers, the believers, are brought to the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin said, you can't go preaching in this guy's name. You're going to cause a, re- a revolt against us. And they said, also very famous words, we have to obey God, not man. We have to obey God and not man. And that, that's another thread I could pull at, which I won't, as far as like when does the government push a law on us, where is that threshold where we say, no, we're not doing that, we're going to obey God over man? And I'm not really going to pull on that thread, and I know there's varying opinions on that, of when they gone too far, and when believers need to say we're not doing that. But I think we can all agree, is that when the government tells us to break God's law, we cannot. Cannot. Some people may feel more if they tell us to do this or that, we shouldn't do it. But let's all agree that if the government tells us to break God's law, if the law tells us to break God's law, we cannot break God's law, period. Mm -hmm. Even unto death, we kind of sign up for it (laughs) as believers. We kind of sign up for it that if the government tells us you must break God's law, we have to say we have to obey God over man, Mm -hmm. no matter the punishment. So that was the environment they were in, and preaching Yeshua is God's law. It says all the way back in Torah, you shall love your God with all your heart and your soul. You shall speak his word when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, which means that we are commanded to speak about God and his ways. It's a commandment that goes all the way back to the most important commandment, which is to love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And, that's, and these words which I command you today shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way. That means whether you're inside or whether you're outside, you're supposed to speak of God. And now you have the governing leader saying you're not allowed to speak of the works of God through Yeshua, and they had to obey. So, this, so the Sanhedrin is ready to you know, stone him to death, you know, and then Gamaliel comes in with a bit of Jewish wisdom. And he said the following. He said, better be careful. better be careful about judging this little sect of Judaism and punishing them and killing them. You better be careful what you're thinking here, members of the Sanhedrin. Because we don't want to get in the way of what God is doing. And he brought a couple of examples, which, by the way, are also historically accurate. So there was another revolt. There was this one guy who claimed to be a leader. Maybe he claimed to be the Messiah. Theodos, I think his name was in the, in, in, in the book of Acts. I may have that a little incorrect. Did I have that right? Theodos? Um, so Theodos, he, he held a revolt, and he got a whole bunch of followers. But he wound up being killed, and the followers just disbanded And then there was another one, I think he called it, his name was Judah of Galilee. Also, historically accurate. If you read the writings of Josephus, a Jewish historian, he writes about these same guys. And that's something I love about the New Testament. It's historically accurate. It's not mythology. It's it's history. It's also history. And I love that. So he mentions the other one, the Judah of, of Galilee. You know, he, he started a revolt and he got a bunch of followers, but then he was killed and the followers just disbanded. It was gone. So he said, Let it be. Let it be. He probably was a Beatles fan. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Let it be. Because you don't want to, in case. And what a blessing this is. In case this is of God, we don't want to mess with it. Because God will take care of this. Yes, he will. We don't have to. If it's of God, it'll thrive, and we don't want to get in the way of God. But if it's not of God, He'll take care of it. So they said, sounds good. And they pulled back, and they didn't kill the disciples. All they did was beat the crap out of them so this is the essence of what I want to say now last week I spoke as prophetically as I'm able to hear which is really not that good but I asked Adonai and I'm going to clean my ears out And I said like, is there a word for the year? It was Nissan one, is there a word for the year? And I felt that it was the year of opportunity. Opportunity, where like, there's something that you want to achieve in your life, it's time to go get it, and it doesn't always mean to have to just go go get it and complete it. Take a single step towards what you wanna complete. This is kind of the word that came to me last week. Uh, In the same spirit, I want to say, in the year of opportunity, not just to have the wisdom to know when to step forward towards a thing, but also the wisdom to know when to not. Also the wisdom to know when you've done enough and to pull back. Because I am a believer in the concept of the loaves and the fishes. And I've spoken about this many, many times because I feel so strongly about it. If I'm repeating something to you guys, it doesn't mean I have nothing to say. It means I feel really strongly about something. And I feel really strongly about the concept that when we give our little to God, He will turn it into a lot. Our God is big. Our God is so big. But all we have to do is take our little, our little piece of bread, and He will turn it into a loaf. And then the glory goes to him, and not our baking abilities. And our our abilities, and by our own works. And there's wisdom in that to know when you've done a thing and there's wisdom to know when you've done enough. And it's time to pull back. Now this is a lesson that we learn Sometimes when we're dealing with loved ones who are going through something that's really rough or challenging or even something that might even be sinful because we want to fix it. We want to fix people. And it's, you know, even especially in a marriage, you know, we want to fix. But sometimes the lesson that spouses need to know and learn is that sometimes the spouse is not the vessel to fix the spouse. And that's sometimes just the reality of it, but it's, it's a blessing when the spouse tries, but it's also a blessing when the spouse says, you know what, I've done enough in this area, and I need to leave it to God. I know when Susie gets to that point with me, because she has a little thing that she does. Like, Susie's amazing. Like I am a strong believer that the man is like the Mashiach of the family. He's like Christ, Messiah in the family, and that's biblical. But I also believe that the wife is like the Holy Spirit. Amen, to that. Amen. Amen. And there's much wisdom and comfort in what the wife brings forth, and it's an incredible unity in that. Um, so, so my Holy Spirit, with the red hair, the fire from heaven, <laughs> you know, will try to, you know, in a certain thing may want to guide me in a certain way. But you know, there are some times that I just need to learn and make the mistake myself. And she knows it. And I can tell when she's gotten to the point where she's like, I'm gonna leave this to God. Because she does the same thing every time. She will take a little breath, and she'll shake her head. She'll go like this. If she goes like this, I know she means he's not going down the right path. There's nothing I can do about it. He's gonna have to do this. And if it's in a day, a week, a month, or a decade, you will figure it out. She's got kind of you trained well. <laughs> and that's all she does. And, I, and, I, and I, it's, it's so cute, and I know what she's... Boy, she's got you trained well. That's, that's Can we all try that? One, two, three. <laughs> is that what you're gonna do to me? Yeah. yeah, I believe it. Switch it. And it is wisdom to know when you've worked a thing to the point where it's you've worked it enough, and you have to give it to God. Yes. So, in the year of opportunity, when we, have, when we have and are given the release to go to a thing and to and to strive for and to press towards an opportunity, what a blessing to know in spirit. And this takes wisdom. It's not obvious. It takes a recognition of when you're. When you've gone past a line of trying to help to trying to control. Mm -hmm. And may we come back to the other side of that line to say, I'm not going to control. I can try to encourage, but I am not going to control. This is God's battle. The battle is not mine, but God's. Mm -hmm. Sometimes God says in our life, you don't need to fight this battle. Set yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. And that's a commandment. If we don't set ourselves and stand still, we won't see the salvation of the Lord because we're getting in his way. Amen. Amen. And as we re- are released this year to press forward towards a thing, I may we know that. when we are in his way... There's an incredible parable that Yeshua said, which really um, makes us, should give us pause. And it's the parable of the wheat and the tares, or if we're gonna alliterate it, the wheat and the weeds. So Yeshua said the kingdom, and he spoke parables about the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God like? He said, well, it's like wheat and tares, where there's good wheat that's growing, but there are tares, weeds, also in the same field, that were planted by the enemy. And then the ones that were tending to this garden said to the master of the, of the field, do you want us to remove these tares, the weeds? And the master said something interesting, and this is something that we need to really pause and think about. He said, don't touch them, don't touch them. Let them grow. Because if we pull them out, we're going to pull out some good wheat also. Now we know he's not just talking about literal wheat and literal weeds. But he's saying, and this should give you pause, and, and prayerful pause, that there are times when we can be trying to fix a problem by pulling out weeds that were doing damage to what's good. And that should give us pause. Mm -hmm. That we, in our wanting to help a situation, can actually be hurting a situation by overworking it. Lord knows, we don't want to pull out weeds and then pull out wheat, good wheat also. Heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. Sometimes we need to back off. Of situations and let God be God I asked Susie because I, I knew there was there's some sort of mm-hmm. analogy that I could use and I couldn't think like what is something that's out there that you can over overwork and destroy the thing I asked her like what, what can I use as an example of this and she said souffles <laughs> 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 And I said, what the heck are you talking about? Because I don't know anything about cooking. I don't even, I, I, I'm the worst at cooking. I, if, if I try to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I will overboil it. <laughs> <laughs> or if I want to make a pot of spaghetti, I will over-toast it. (laughs) 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 So Susie said, a souffle. And I said, what do you mean? And what is a souffle? And she said, well, it's like baking. If you put it in the oven, it needs to expand, it needs to rise. If you keep opening the oven, it will actually deflate. It won't rise. You will destroy the thing. It needs time to cook. And if you open the oven, you will destroy it. You need to step away and let the cooking process take place. So, this is where you need to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. You're when he, when jumping up and down with me right now. That we need to let this thing cook. We need to let this thing cook. I know Bill Cosby went out of favor, but you know, there was this one Bill Cosby bit from, Bill Cosby himself, when he finally had his first child, and the baby came out and he looked at the baby who was like purple and writhing around and, you know. And he went, Bill Cosby went to the doctor and said, can you put this thing back? It needs more time to cook. And that's what it is. We can bake, we can prepare, God does the baking. Oh! And we gotta stop opening the oven and trying to fix this thing and trying to fix it and trying to fix it and trying to fix it. We can plant the seed. We can water the seed. But if you overwater the seed, it drowns. And if it gets moldy and diseased. And this is the lesson of today, to not overwater a thing, to let God be God. When relationships become difficult, even just personal relationships outside of the family, even whatever the relationship is, it's hard sometimes, but sometimes we need to pull back and fight the battle just through our praise. See, when somebody's coming at you and they're trying to like get under your skin, you know what you should do? You should just go to them and say, oh yeah, this is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my bad. Oh yeah, well you did this, this to me. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. Well, you got to talk to me because you did this and you really upset me when you did this and you know, how dare you do it? This is how I fight my bad. This is how I fight my battle. See, that's good because that's letting God take care of the thing. May we all know When we've worked the thing too much and it's time to step back. May we know it's good to give the loaves and fishes. May we know when we've given the loaves and fishes and now it's time for God to expand it and do the miracle. And that takes wisdom. And that takes wisdom. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. So Father, I ask, Lord, in this time that you give us the wisdom to know when to move forward, Lord, and when to just pull back, and when to put our effort in, and when, Lord God, to let you be God. The victory belongs to the Lord. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we will trust and praise the Lord. Thank you, Adonai. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah! Thank you, Father. Thank you, Adonai. Amen. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Anything else? <laughs> this is how I fight my man. 30. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battles This is how I fight my back This is how I my You guys help me with this. This is how I fight my Father, Father, father lift it up. This is how I fight my back. This is how I fight my back. Father, bless you. Keep 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 I need a music background. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I keep going. Father, help us to know, Lord God. Help us to know, Lord God. Help us to know, know, Adonai. Help us to know when we fought enough and we fought this battle enough. Help us to know, Adonai, that when our finances get difficult, that we've, we've, we've done enough, we keep trying, we get two jobs, three jobs, we've done enough, the debtors, the, our creditors, our debtors, keep coming for more and more and more, but we've done all we can, so we just got to take a step and say, God, this is yours. If it's your will, then it's your bill. If it's your will, then it's your bill. This is how I find my dad. This is how I find my battle. This is how I fight my battle. Health issues. Health issues. How many times? You know, I am a believer. I'm a believer in. I mean, this is going to be sound weird, but I'm a believer in kind of a, not naming and claiming, but I'm a believer in, in speaking life and speaking health over people. Right to the bitter end. I'm a believer in that. I'm a believer in saying you will be well, you will be well, you will be well, even, even if, it's, if, if it turns out that God takes the person and back, went back to him. I'm a believer in that, of speaking life, speaking life. But I gotta tell you something, people that are struggling with health issues, sometimes they just need to accept. And this is hard to hear also. Sometimes people need to say, you know what? I just need to stop fighting. I need to stop fighting, and I need to give this to the Lord. I need to trust that the Lord going to take care of this. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you can put the microphone. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you Lord. Crazy. I will, I will. Come on, let's stand up and just sing this together. Maybe it'd be best if we have the working team. My Do we have the